the Truth in My Days podcast, where we defend the Word of God against the challenges of men. Hi, I'm Dana Torts, and welcome to another episode of the Truth in My Days radio program. Today, I'm here with John Torts and Jason Chan as they discuss the important topic of creation and evolution. We are continuing from the previous episode. We hope you enjoy. Here is how this is written up in one of our popular news magazines. Headline is, The Truly Wild Life Around Chernobyl. And subheaded, Many Animals Are in Evolutionary Overdrive. Well, that means evolution is happening much more quickly. Well, what kind of evolution is that? Well, they look at the mice. And they find on this particular type of field mouse, they call it voles. And they capture them. They analyze the DNA to search for signs of genetic mutation. And they find this. Among the Chernobyl voles, the gene sequences as well as the proteins from all five animals were different. So you had a lot of changes. The DNA did change. Okay. So what did it do to these mice? Did it give them new abilities? For example, did they learn to walk upright, become anthropomorphic, uh, learn to speak and wear red shorts like Mickey? <laughs> no. Let's look at what happened to them. According to the article, they have shorter lifespans now. They have shorter lifespans. Okay. They have various types of genetic defects, and it hurts their ability to survive. No new traits, no new features, just problems for them. Hmm. Is that evolution? Well, no, but we're told this is evolution in overdrive. Gets more ridiculous still. Here's another example from one of our popular news magazines. It's about chimpanzees. And it's called The Wife Beaters of Kibale. Subheaded, the author of a new book offers a glimpse of evolution in action. Okay, there again, there's that phrase, evolution in action, as chimps in Uganda take up arms. Well, if you read through the article, what, what's the evolution action? Well, these chimpanzees use sticks okay, against prey and predators. So they want to eat a monkey, they, they will take a stick and beat the monkey. If it's a predator, if a leopard is coming along, for example, they, they will hit the leopard with a stick. Well, now they've noticed that these chimpanzees are using stick to hit other chimpanzees. A specific female chimpanzees. Okay. Does that sound like evolution in action? Not at all. They're just doing the same thing, but uh, themselves. <laughs> yeah. So I guess every time I pick up a, like a new sporting implant, I pick up a hockey stick and hit a puck with it, which I've never done before, I've evolved, right? Hmm. I mean, this is, this is crazy. And yet with a straight face, they're telling you this is evolution in action. Uh, what does that make you think of? Can you think of any actual examples of evolution in action? Yeah, I don't know. Like, the bacteria one was the one I thought off the top of my head, but it doesn't sound like that one is anymore, so... It really isn't. Now, the one you're most likely to come across now, the one that they're really trumpeting, mm -hmm. is Lenski's bacteria. Uh, here's a write-up from one of our local newspapers titled Witnessing Evolution with Their Own Eyes. And the subheading is interesting. It says, a breakthrough study shows the origins of species in Fast Forward. And as the reporter reports, it drives creationists ape. 
Isn't that a, a nice little dig? <laughs> well, supposedly, bacteria culture in the laboratory, specifically Escherichia coli or E. coli, has shown evolution. Now, this fellow, Michigan State University, started in 1988. He had 12 cultures of E. coli, and he grew them generation after generation. Uh, evolutionary scientists like to use bacteria like E. coli because of such quick turnaround time. They're very, very short period of time before they will reproduce. Uh, reproduce. Mm, and so you can go through, through thousands and thousands of generations. Sometimes uh, evolutionists dodges to say that, well, we can't, we can't really do experiments on evolution because it takes millions and millions of years. But really what counts is how many generations you have. So if you use something with a, a very quick generation, then you can go through enough generations that, that evolution should be seen if it does actually happen. So uh, he grew these E. coli generation after generation. At the time of this writing, he'd been doing it for 20 years. It's continued on. Uh, the culture medium in which he grew them had a little glucose, but lots more citrate. So that was there for them to eat. Well, he grew them through populations, through 44,000 generations, which would be the equivalent to millions of years of generations of a human population. And at some point, he noticed that one of the populations had evolved the ability to metabolize the citrate. Instead of the glucose. That's what E. coli normally eat is glucose. Okay. Uh, but a glucose and citrate in the culture. And he, he found, he noticed that one population had evolved this new ability to metabolize citrate. And according to the article that we mentioned before, this would be like a dog evolving the ability to eat newsprint. Well, that would definitely be a new ability, wouldn't it? Uh, the problem here is, first of all, that bacteria already have the ability to metabolize citrate. And they do it through what's called the Krebs cycle, which you probably learned in high school biology. Oh, man, that was a long time ago. <laughs> yeah. They already have that ability, though. Okay. Now, the thing is, where oxygen is present, they will metabolize the glucose. It's a much more efficient way of getting energy. Okay, I see. But when, and that's what we do as humans, mm -hmm. in anaerobic conditions where there's no oxygen, we die. Mm -hmm. The bacteria don't because they have this genetic ability to metabolize citrate. For that, they don't need oxygen. Okay. So in the aerobic conditions where there's oxygen, they metabolize glucose. Uh -huh. In anaerobic conditions, no oxygen, they switch to metabolizing citrate because they have the genetic coding for both. Okay. And they have a controller gene. And what the controller does is when there's oxygen around, it turns off. Sure, yeah. There's this uh, citric acid, the citrate processing. Mm. And if there's no oxygen, it turns it back on. Hmm. Okay. So it's not a new ability. It's not just a new ability. Uh, quite the opposite. What happened is that uh, it now uses that ability even in aerobic conditions where right. bacteria normally don't. Mm -hmm. And, well, they had to study and try to figure out why. And eventually they realized that there was a copying error. That's one of the types of mutations you get. And this copying error copied the genes from metabolizing citrate. 
but flip them upside down. Okay. So they're no longer under their, their proper control or the one that will turn them oh, on and okay. off. I see. It came under a control of a different controller, which just kept them on all the time. Mm. And this is why they were now metabolizing citrate in aerobic conditions. Okay. If that sounds complicated, let's give an analogy. You know those timers you have that you set in your house that turn the lights on at night sure. and turn them off during the day? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's what they're supposed to do. So if you're away, the lights come on at night, people think you're still home. Right. That's what it's supposed to do. Turn them on during the night, turn them off during the day. Mm-hmm. Now you have one of these controllers and it breaks. The lights stay on all the time. Right. Would you say that your uh, timer has evolved a new ability? No, sir. But that's what Lenski's bacteria have done. It's it's exactly the same thing. It's its ability to stop metabolizing citrate in aerobic conditions. Mm-hmm. Essentially broke, it turned off. It can't stop doing it. Okay, I see. It didn't develop any new ability. In fact, again, in nature, this would not actually be helpful because metabolizing citrate is much less efficient right. than metabolizing glucose. Mm-hmm. And this one then is is their prime example, the prime one they're going to bring up today, probably in your classes in university on evolution. And it's nonsense. Okay. But again, how many people do the research yeah. and figure this out? Mm-hmm. And so again, this brings us to these two questions that you should always ask the professor. Can you give us an, an actual example of evolution in action? Can any evolutionist give us an actual Example of evolution in action. Uh-huh. They may hem and haw, but the answer is no. And we can see that partly from the fact that they keep giving us examples that are not evolution in action. And if they're knowledgeable, they must know that. It raises the second question. Why are you putting out examples of evolution in action of things that you know is not evolution in action? Okay. You know, at least you don't seem to want to say, well, we haven't found any yet. You seem to realize that you need to put forth something, but people are knowledge about evolution know that these are not examples. I see. So that would seem to be a problem, wouldn't it? Yeah, of course. Any any other arguments or supposed evidences for evolution with which you're familiar? No, not off the top of my head, John. Well, let me put forth another couple that come up. One is homology. Okay. And they will argue, for example, if you look at the bones in the flipper of a whale, uh, the leg of a frog, the leg of a horse, a, a lion, a human being's arm, mm-hmm. uh, or the wing of a bat or a bird, you will find similar kind of structures. And similar structures would be explained if they all came from the same ancestor. And these developed from whatever the ancestor had somewhat differently for each of these, but still fundamentally very, very similar. Hmm. And that's the argument from homology. That means they're looking roughly the same. What do you think about that example? Do you think that that's convincing? Just because they look similar doesn't necessarily mean they came from evolution. They could have been simply created like that. It's not an argument against creation. Yeah, that's that's true. That's the first point. This, This doesn't accord with evolution any better than it does with creation. Mm-hmm. And a second point we put out is that they don't actually look all that much the same. If you compare bones in a bird's wing to those in the leg of a lion, you're going to see an awful lot of differences. Mm-hmm. The next problem we can point out here, though, and we can do this by uh, analogy, is 
say, the evolution of transport. Okay? Initially, people could walk or ride animals, but then they start building transport. Very simple things at first, a, a cart drawn by a horse. I can go to a bicycle and then trains and then an early automobile, like a Ford Model T up to modern cars. Do you notice anything that these have in common? Thank you everyone for listening today. Unfortunately, we have run out of time, but please join us for the next part tomorrow. Same time and same place. If you enjoy our content and think this is important material, the best compliment you can pay is by sharing this with your friends and family. This helps us out a lot. Also, if you enjoyed today's program, please like, comment, share, and subscribe to this podcast. We would love to hear from you. Thank you for listening to the Truth In My Days podcast with John Torse. We would love to hear from you. Please feel free to share any questions or comments you may have. You can reach us on Facebook, Instagram, MeWe, and YouTube. Simply search Truth In My Days as one word. Again, Truth In My Days as one word, no spaces in between. And you can connect with us. You may also visit our website for more comprehensive material and to learn more about our ministry. Our website is truthinmydays.com. <laughs>